Eagles fans, this is Mike K from NJ Advanced Media. Welcome to the No Huddle Show podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Philadelphia Eagles. You can read our content on nj.com slash eagles, bookmark that, and you can subscribe to our exclusive Eagles Insider Tech Service, where we'll break news, give you insider observations, and provide in-depth analysis. Through Eagles Extra, you can send questions and comments directly to us, and we'll respond to your phone. With me today, as always, is my fellow Eagles beat reporter, Chris Franklin. Today, we're going to discuss the Eagles' loss to the Seahawks, Doug Peterson's play calling, and the Eagles' outlook for the next five games. Chris, how you doing? Um, It's just just weird. You, you know, you feel like you, you, you're, you have a relative that's, you know, not doing so well, and you, you, you're trying to say your final goodbyes, and you're getting, preparing yourself. I feel like we're doing that with this team right now. How are you doing? I mean, it is what it is, man. I feel like I'm in, I'm back in Jacksonville, really. I mean, it, it, it's uh, – but honestly, it's even worse because this team had such expectations. Um, and I think when we look back at this season, this is going to be the season that brought a, a huge, like – I, I don't know if I'd call it an exodus, but, like, this is going to lead to – a lot of changes. This team is not going to look anything like it did the past four years come March or come September of next year. Um, and there's some fun to that. I think uh, recovering rebuilds just from our standpoint are fun because really it's about, you know, how can this team progress and how can this team get better as opposed to, you know, um, you know, wow, this team's failing to meet up to expectations. Like the expectations are limited. So you're seeing young guys try to improve. Uh, the team's trying to improve. Maybe you're seeing different types of play calling, etc. cetera. Um, that's what yesterday's loss kind of signified to me. How about you? I think it, it really did. Those are some very good points, but I just see something that this team is just so far behind, especially on the offense. It's, it's just not funny. Look, it's, it's tough when you look around the league and you see all the innovativeness going on when it comes to play design and and creativity, and then you just look at this way this offense runs and you see you can almost predict, well, here comes a slant, here comes a rub route, or a rub route combination, or here comes a quick corner to somebody because you have so many piece parts of this offense that are just so broken and bad right now it is it I, I just don't get it it's just beyond I mean I mean just looking at it when it comes to a schematic thing it just looks so broken and bad it is is if I if I'm Doug Peterson I'm frustrated if I'm Carson Wentz I'm frustrated if I'm Basically, if I'm any member of that offense needs to, it should should be throwing stuff around Novacare Complex. If, if well, when they get back there, I'd be throwing it stuff around there. It's just it's just a pathetic performance by that offense. Uh, this is going to be if you guys are recently joining us or just joined us this season. Monday, uh, post Monday games are kind of difficult to do from a podcast standpoint because we got to write and, and put up a bunch of stuff. We're recording this uh, Tuesday afternoon. Um, and obviously a lot's happened in the aftermath of this game. So I think when, while we'll talk a little bit about the game, we're going to put it in the context of what's happened since, right? So look, this game had a tight score at the end, but it was nowhere near as close to what the final score indicated. 
the the Seahawks won 23 to 17. Carson Wentz uh, had an abysmal first half. He was seven of 17 for 30 yards and a touchdown. Uh, the Eagles started off 0 of 5 on third down. They eventually settled in and did much better on third downs. But again, this team started off poorly, and it was largely due to the passing game, which is supposed to be the strength of this team, or at least the strength of the head coach. Um, you know, Carson finished 25 of 45 for 215 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. You know, the interception, you could argue, was definitely on Dallas Goddard, who ran uh, the wrong leverage route when he was running a stick route. Um, and Carson just threw it to where he thought he would be or where he should have been, and it was picked off easily. Then, on top of that, you know, the last touchdown was a Hail Mary that um, Richard Rodgers made an incredible catch with 12 seconds left. So, um, there's a lot going on in this game. Um, not a lot good. Uh, you could argue Derek Barnett had a really good performance, especially early on, having two fourth down stops on back-to-back series to start the game. The offense couldn't do anything with it. Um, what did you take away from this game? Because I think like just recapping this at this point is not as, you know, it's not as fresh on our minds. And, and Doug Peterson had an, a pretty, uh, noteworthy press conference today that I think is way more important to discuss than really a game that the Eagles should have lost. They did lose and that's where they are. I think the biggest takeaway I had was that the defense actually, I I, I can't fault the defense too much. I mean, I do, if I had to fault them anything, I would have put in some more safety help and given them to, for uh, Darius Slay to cover DK Metcalf. Because if you're going to have a guy go to, 10 catches and 177 yards. Think about after that, after that long, at least like a 52 yard pass play, you would have gone ahead and just like shaded a safety over that way to go ahead and give them some support and try to force Wilson to try to go out, uh, target Lockett or some of his other, other receivers. But I think that it has gotten to the point now where this team is, it, we learned what the inevitable now that this team, even if they, tried to back their way into the division. It's nowhere this team is nowhere near ready to be contend for a division, even as bad as this division currently is right now. I if if you had to put the team up right now against some of these other some of these other things, I I think the only team they probably could even contend with may be Washington. And even then is still you still don't even know that they can actually pull out a win with there. It's just it is it's almost the time now you're, you're, you're almost starting to wonder, hey, you know what? We might actually figure out who the Eagles might select in next year's draft within the first hour of the draft because they're going to be picking that high. It's gotten to that point. I mean, what, what, what have you learned about the team? Well, I mean, it's like I said last week. I think this team – Seattle is really going to determine where they went from here. And I think, you know, today they released Will Parks. I was told that part of the reason for that cut um, is – they're going to promote Graylin Arnold from the practice squad. He's a guy they liked. Uh, Will Parks, they shopped at the trade deadline to kind of get more opportunities from some of their younger kids. Didn't work out. He stuck around. He, uh, I thought he played well, but PFF graded him horribly um, for his performance against Seattle. And look, you're at this point right now where you're, I think, like a game and a half out of the division race. And... You know, I mean, this team's not good. So you're, you're looking at this situation where 
you realistically need to beat two really good playoff teams and both division teams on your schedule in order to make the playoffs. That's not looking like it's going to happen. The offense is broken. The defense isn't reaping any of the benefits of their early success. It's just a wash right now. And I think, you know, if Howie Roseman's been given assurance that he's going to stick around, we know that Doug Peterson hasn't because Doug Peterson said that today. Uh, then yeah, it's time to focus on the future of the team and the youth movement. Um, I think for people that are anti-Howie, they're probably not going to be thrilled seeing some of these moves because it means that he wants to see what's going on in the future as opposed to trying to win and do everything he can to save his job. I think Doug Peterson is in a weirder spot because while I think Doug Peterson might be the least of the Eagles' concerns here or the least guilty party, uh, he seems like the most the the guy with the the warmest seat because a he's not beholden to a massive contract b he doesn't have that long-term i mean he has a long-term relationship with jeffrey lurie but we also know that jeffrey lurie's relationship with howie roseman is extremely unique uh and so if they do have to point a finger it does feel like doug peterson would be the guy who would got get got if you know what i mean so on the subject of that, Peterson was asked about play calling, and Peterson has this affinity for play calling. He loves it. He's enamored with it. He frequently talks about how much he enjoys scripting and calling plays. And he's never, when asked, when this team's been on a rut before, he's been asked if he would give up play calling, and he basically taunted the media with the thought of ever giving away play calling. Well, today that changed. He said that it's on the table. He's open to it, essentially. He's open to to doing something there. And I thought that that was interesting. I think it showed self-awareness. I think it showed some humility. Because I think, at least to us, we can kind of see the hubris of this organization. And I think when Doug kind of lowers his guard and he's a person and not, you know, a spokesperson, uh, he tends to kind of let loose and I think be very like when he's honest, he's very honest. And so I think that's a strong moment for him. I also think being willing to admit that, look, your offense is 28th passing 20 or 13th rushing and 28th overall. You're averaging 21.5 points a game, which is 25th in the league of 32 teams. Your quarterback is leading the league in interceptions, turnovers and sacks Something needs to change. And if you want to hold your young guys accountable, you want to hold your veterans accountable, um, holding yourself accountable first and foremost is the ultimate goal. So I think showing that he is willing to change for the betterment of the team, A, is a good sign for his future here, B, a good sign for his future endeavors if he is let go, and C, a good sign for his coaching staff. Uh, because maybe somebody, one of the bajillion offensive assistants he's hired over the last five years could get a promotion. What did you think of that? That What did you take away from that comment that he made earlier? Well, I think the, especially when the part he says, it, he, I, I'm glad he actually was open to actually giving up play calling, but I think it should have happened sooner, especially when he mentioned, oh, if, if it provides a spark. Well, this offense – Hasn't had a spark in the last. I, I'm, I'm going back till since probably even before the, the Dallas game. This this office has been. They haven't had a spark since 2018, bud. <laughs> I gotta tell you. 
but it's, it's, it's it, they just need they need spark and they had they brought in all these guys and there's only so much i'm sorry if if you have a hour meeting hour and a half meeting there's only so much everybody input the other person comes in but you can give you can give they can give peterson all these formations all these motions hey you should do this give him all this intel but if he doesn't use it and he calls the same play over and over again i think that's concerning i mean when dallas goddard said at when uh, on the interception play that Doug had called that same play four times earlier in the game. Four times they used that same passing play. No, 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 it, no. He said that in practice. He said in practice. Game. In practice. In practice. In practice. Yeah. He had to keep running over and over and over again. Usually it's, you use that time to go ahead. You use one, especially around this time this time of the year, you use it once. once or, you go once or twice and you go on, unless you're installing something completely new. And it's like they used that beforehand already. So unless you're using something especially something a staple of that offense, you shouldn't be having to keep going over and over again. And I don't know if it's a disconnect with the assistant coaches with what they're telling the players. I don't know if it's a disconnect with Doug just saying, hey, you know, we're going to just go run this if we want to. It's time. I mean, I mean, Marty Morningwig has experience doing it. Rich Gangarella has experience doing it. If you want to give Deuce a shot to do it, he can do it. If you got Press Taylor to do it as well, too. you have so many options that are out there to go ahead and go ahead and get that. Give the guys a chance, even if we. I know he said it could be for a series, it could be for a quarter. Let them go for a whole game and see what they do. If it's completely worse than what Peterson did, which is has done lately, which can't it's going to be tough to top. Then you go ahead and he can pull the reins and take over again. But you got to let the guys. Gotta let the other offensive minds get it from a different vantage point, get a chance to go ahead and call these plays. Yeah. Um, so so you're on board with him handing over play calling, correct? Oh hell yeah. Oh, okay. Hell yeah. Oh, whoa, okay. Well Yeah, yeah. We're, we're do I have to put the explicit uh label on this podcast now? <laughs> uh well, here we go, because I'm gonna hammer the point home. Um are you propped up? Are you relaxed? Are you ready? Uh, I'm bracing myself. I'm getting ready. I'm going to, I'm going to be like, uh, you know, when Ace Ventura breaks down like something and he goes like he sucks in the air so he can talk really fast. That's what I'm going to try to do right now. Okay. So Doug Peterson needs to give a play calling for several reasons. One, he is, his backs are literally against the ropes. Like there is almost, there's such a minute opportunity to win. Look, last year they had to win four straight games to get in the playoffs. They actually had some talent on this team. Um, Right now, this team looks untalented. It looks unimaginative. I just don't really... Look, Doug Peterson, some of the best coaches in the league are CEO coaches. And maybe giving Doug Peterson a moment to step back and kind of, you know, infer what's going on and manage a game as opposed to calling plays could help this team overall. Maybe it makes him better on challenges. Maybe it makes him better on timeouts. Maybe it makes him better on deciding when to go for fourth fourth and two like this can open you up and look there are four guys on this on this coaching staff that could handle this job marty morningwig rich gangarello as you mentioned uh press taylor i know people aren't going to like that but if they keep trying to push this guy up the the depth chart maybe see what he has as a play caller because right now his work as a quarterback's coach and a scripter is not going so well um but I think the ultimate guy is Deuce Staley. We saw Torrey Smith kind of uh, endorse Deuce's uh, ability or at least uh, his potential as a play caller. I've seen Deuce Staley coach one-on-one 
uh, at the East-West Shrine game. The guy's a really smart guy. He's been a good soldier the entire time he's been here. And frankly, the guy deserves a promotion. Um, it's cool that he has that, like, bells and whistles, pomp and circumstance uh, title of assistant head coach, whatever that means. I guess it just means that when your, your coach has an illness, you take over for him. But really, he's got the respect of the locker room. You can tell he's got the respect of the offensive players. He's a guy who's actually been successful as a player at the NFL level, uh, more so even than Doug Peterson. And he's a guy that guys want to follow. And I think if you want to set up a guy like Deuce Staley, whether this coaching staff is here next year or not, for success in the future, you're going to put him in a position to succeed there. Look, he's been angling for this job since Frank Wright got hired in 2018 by the Colts. I just think that this is a bunch of things happening at once that tell you, hey, look, Doug, take a step back. Maybe you can regain play calling um, next year, but let's see what you have in, in Deuce Staley. Let's see what you have in Press Taylor. Let's see what you have in maybe Rich Gangarello. Now, Rich Gangarello's one-year tenure as offensive coordinator with the Broncos was alarmingly pitiful. Like, he was known for having bland and, and boring uh, offense. His team average just his offense average is 17.5 points a game. Like they were 20th as a run offense, 28th as a pass offense. I mean, it just like it there was nothing imaginative there. So I, I struggled to find him being the guy who could replace him. That said, if you boosted Press Taylor up, maybe Scangarello takes on the quarterback coaching job. That's what he's known as. He's a quarterback's coach. Uh, and maybe that makes Carson Wentz better. So, yeah, I think it's time. I think Doug really does need to pass the baton here because, frankly, it's not working. His magic has, has eroded. He's no longer an offensive wizard. Uh, the proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the numbers. And Doug Peterson just isn't the guy to make the play calls right now. Uh, that doesn't mean that he should never call plays ever again. It's just at this point when you're, you know, maybe waving in a youth movement or you're making a last ditch effort to win with young guys, a new voice at the top makes sense because it shows that you're holding yourself accountable and not just being selfish and holding on to something that you enjoy for the sake of yourself as opposed to the team. Well put, well put. Who knows? Maybe we see a new movie, how Dougie got his groove back after he takes a season off or, a season off from calling plays, and then he decides to go and take over again. Who knows? We never did that, but that's, that's well, extremely I, well put. I think I, I think I said Carson Wentz is like Shawn Michaels when he lost his smile. Well, Doug Peterson <laughs> is like a Aladdin, like Aladdin when he just lost the lamp. I don't know. You know, his three wishes were up. I, I just like to me, this is this is such an easy thing to do. And it here's the thing. Here's what I I like about this. If you're a fan who's always trying to shine on the positive. And if you're Doug Peterson, and if you're the organization, him saying he might give up play calling distracts you from the disaster that is Carson Wentz this season, right? We're, we're talking about play calling. We're not talking about Carson Wentz. And frankly, we have stomped on Carson enough, really, uh, over the last two weeks. Because, look, Doug's play calling does play a part in his struggles, uh, his inability to move him out of the pocket, his inability to adapt with this offensive line falling apart, his inability to adapt with these wide receivers not getting open, um, his allotment of playing time when when uh, Travis Fulgham's playing like 52% of the snaps, that's utterly ridiculous. Frankly, it's idiotic. The way that Jalen Rager's been used is pathetic. Uh, 
I just don't really understand what their angle is with these younger wide receivers. Cool, you're paying Alshon Jeffrey. He is not adding absolutely anything to this offense. And I told you, Chris, did I not tell you? He is adding absolutely nothing. His first catch of the season came off a pass from Jalen Hurts. Chris. Yeah, exactly. And I'm going to say this as well, too. I saw a couple times he was open, but that's a whole. He was, no, he was. We, we only have 30, we had 30, 35 times, 30, 35 minutes to go on this one. We can go. All, I can go all uh, an uh, extended edition if you want to. But I, I, I'm not, I get what you're saying. Like, I'm not. I get, I get what you're saying when it at comes to Jeffrey. Point, but, yeah, but at this point in the season. Is it look, you're going to cut Will Parks to get more playing time for young kids. Why not just do it with Jeffrey? Oh, like, yeah. I'm, I'm saying, yeah, right now, being the way that they're playing right now and the, and just the way the outlook's going to be within this next stretch, I'm I'm not I'm not going to go ahead and say, hey, you know what, Alshon has to start or anything else like that for it. I'd probably give him probably 35% of the snaps now. If he had an allotment, he gets 35% of the snaps. That's, a, that's about it. Give Fulgham the rest. I'm uh, and then slowly deter slowly decrease that amount for Jeffrey as the season goes on, especially toward the last game of the season. I wouldn't even probably dress him, but I wouldn't dress him at all. I wouldn't dress him at all. What's the point? What are you getting out of him that you're not getting out of other guys? I, like I just like to me, that's that's been my issue. I, I don't really I, 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 like. I get I it. I get it. He's a look. Look, you like Howie Roseman have a tough time letting go of dudes. Whoa, that whoa, it- whoa, 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 whoa. Wrong, 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 wrong. It's not that. I think that when you look at – he he still is able I, – I question the way that he's being used when it comes to being – he's not going to be the guy you run down like a Rager and run 50 yards down the field. I question why they were, they were trying to use him in that aspect, like trying to fly routes. But when you use him on a dig or a simple stop route – and the quarterback either double clutches or has to feel doesn't feel comfortable to throw. And when he's when he is open or he finds a soft spot in the zone, the quarterback looks at him and then goes, "Eh, let me go ahead and tr- go back over to Dallas Goddard, who has a man draped all over him." I question that part. Cool, but he's if not, he's not comfortable with him, what's the point of keeping him? That's my point. Think, my, well, I think it's it's interesting that when Jalen uh, Jalen Hurts was in there, he's able to f- deliver a good ball and he's able to go ahead and do it, and he looks okay, but. When Winston, I don't know. That's why. That's if I could go ahead and if I could be a Doctor Phil and just had sit him and Carson Wentz down and go, what's the problem, guys? Like, what what the heck is going on that you guys can't get on the same page? But whenever Jeffrey's with another quarterback, it seems like he's able to actually play and catch the ball. I I would love to know, be a final wall, see what the hell happened between those two, but. I mean, I, I think he's still getting open. He's still, he's still he, getting open. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not saying he's not talented. You're, that's not my argument. My argument is for the outlook of this team, for the outlook of Carson Wentz, for the outlook of this offense, for what is going to happen here. What's the point of having him? I, 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 look, you said it yourself. If he doesn't trust him. There is literally no point to having him out there. We learned that with with. Matt Collins last year, we've learned that with J.J. Arcega Whiteside. We've seen it with John Hightower. Like, at some point, look, these are young studs, Rager and 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 Fulgham. Let them play all game. Who cares? Like, you know, Greg Ward is getting more snaps than Travis Fulgham. What on earth are they thinking? And I get it. It's in the slot, but Fulgham lines up in the slot all the time. 
Uh, it's like just Ward, AKA Jason Avant Jr. Yeah. No, no, don't even do that because Jason Avant would pick up 10 yards a catch. Okay. He would get first downs. That's what he was known for. He would point forward and then he would raise his hands to the sky. Greg Ward's getting three yard catches. He's averaging a little over seven yards a catch, which is unbelievable when you are targeted as much as he is. Uh, I think Boston Scott's averaging more yards per catch. So, like, <laughs> look, and I like Greg Ward. He's a swell guy, but he's a fifth wide receiver on, on most teams at best. And and that's okay. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. You should always aim higher. That's the thing that I think a lot of people take, like, the wrong way is if you say, like, a guy is a fourth or fifth wide receiver, in an ideal world, that's what you have. Like, ideally, next year, let's say, let's say you don't draft a kid in the first round. You would ideally like for Fulgham, Rager, and maybe John Hightower to be your three top guys. But here's the thing. Here, I'll put another thing out to you. Alshon Jeffrey dressing every week takes away opportunities from Quez Watkins. And when J.J. Arcega-Whiteside comes back from the COVID list, it takes away opportunities from him too. That's another reason why I just like kind of don't understand. You've invested these draft picks in these kids, and you know you can't pay anyone next year. Like, you need to know what you have. And, like, we we talked about it, like, ad nauseum about Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts. Like, the, they're cascading down the standings to the point where they're going to rise up and get, like, a top six pick. If you don't know what you have in Jalen Hurts, how can you make a conscious decision? Like, you're going to just immediately draft a wide receiver and offensive tackle when you don't really know what you have at, at quarterback with Carson you know, struggling and Jalen Hurts maybe getting a throw every, you know, 150 offensive snaps. Like, that's not smart. And and I think when you look at offensive tackle, you look at Jordan Maylotta playing well. You look at Lane Johnson now being injured. Do they need to draft a right tackle now in the first round? Like, what do they need to invest in? So it's like the next five weeks, whether you win or not, you should play to want to win. That's what every team should want to do, especially as long as you're in the playoff hunt, but it should also be about winning with these young kids and developing and giving them game experience and seeing what you have in them. Because listen, if Travis Fulgham can bounce out of this rut, maybe you don't take Jamar chase with your first round pick. You take somebody like uh, Caleb Farley, a cornerback, which God knows they need an upgrade opposite Darius Slay. Oh man! <laughs> oh, that was just rough. That is yeah. Rough, well, d- yeah. yeah. I mean, look, this is what it is. Like, I I just think when we're looking at this team as a whole right now, everything should be invested in the future. Cool. If you can win the division and sneak past the Saints or the and the Cardinals or the Saints and the Packers, and then win some NFC East games, terrific. Cool. It's a fun story, but that should not be the precipice for what you're doing moving forward. This should be about seeing what you have. It should be getting guys like Davey and Taylor and Sean Bradley on the field to see if you need to spend a first round pick on a linebacker and change your philosophy up. It should be, Hey, is Jalen Mills worth re-signing on the cheap at strong safety? He played really well last night. Is it worth making Alex Singleton a starting outside linebacker moving forward and a three down guy is Javon Hargrave enough to, release Malik Jackson do we I mean do the Eagles sign if I'm Howie Roseman I'm asking has Derek Barnett shown enough to get an extension and lower his cap number 
Uh, do I like what I'm seeing from Josh Sweat? Can he be a full-time starter? Is it worth extending Brandon Graham so I can lower his cap number? Does he have two or three years left? Like, that's what it's about. If you see guys as part of the future, you need to be evaluating them the next five games because it's basically a trial run for all these guys. You want to see that they can play hard. You want to see that they can improve, and you want to see what their long-term projection is. Even if they're older guys, if you see them like Fletcher Cox or Brandon Graham as part of the future moving forward, You've got a big decision to make when you're trying to figure out how to get out of this cap hell that they're about to enter, like $70 million over the cap. So to me, that's where I'm going. What about you? For me, what I'm thinking about doing, I'm still going ahead. It's, it's going to be the wind down process for me. I'm going to go ahead and still go ahead and throw some of these guys out here. I'm not, like I'm saying, I'm going back to that one. I'll, I'll go back to what you said. Quez Watkins, he can, it concerns me that he still can't get on the field, even with all these injuries and, Everything else is shifting around. The fact that he still is not able—I know he's had his own injuries issues this year—but the fact that he's been removed from well enough from removed from it now, he still can't get on the field. That's a, red, a little red flag for me when it comes to that one. As for some of these other things, as for things, the offensive line, the young offensive linemen—they have played well. Mylotta did go ahead and play well as well too. I think you already know what Matt Pryor what you have. I know Peterson said today he's still trying to go ahead and get used to. Uh, He's used to that position over there. He's doing okay, but I, I think it's about time. You, 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 I, at this time, I would have put Jack Driscoll in. It, it, you can see. I think you can go ahead and do a mixture of keeping some of these vets in, but also playing a lot of these young guys. I think they can do it in certain positions. I think when you look at, I would love to see Jack Driscoll in at right tackle. I think he can be, especially now that you know that Lane can't is is done for a season. I have no problem with having Jack Driscoll in there to go ahead and see what you got. He, I think because I think he actually. Been all right, you spent a fourth round draft pick on him, so you might as well do that. I think when you also laying on defensive, I, I think personally, I think it's time to move on from Malik Jackson. I think they have, uh, I think I have a couple. I think Ty McGill, I think has been okay. I think I bring him back next year just to see what he's got, and I'm going looking toward the draft in the one and later rounds to pick up another guy and see if I can find find another uh, a potential run stuffer to go ahead and help out to work alongside Fletcher Cox to go ahead and help him out with that but i that that hargrave signing oof. hey he had his best oof. game he had his best game <laughs> this week uh and malik jackson played horribly so and got one of the dumbest personal foul calls i've ever seen so you know i will say this i did have a coach old Kluski, he used to tell me sometimes you know within that first series first quarter you take a 15 just to let them know aggressiveness and let them know you're there I, I mean, it, it was a chippy game, and they were going both teams back and forth. You saw Slay, you saw Metcalf. I thought, although I thought it should have been offsetting, and Slay got the fifteen for sports like I thought it should have been offsetting, but that's another story. But if you had a guy who's been chirping and doing that way too, and you're peeling off, the, saw a couple of Seahawks peeling off the pile, and you have an opportunity to go ahead and you want to establish yourself, say, hey, we're not going to be pushed around, and it's. It was already goal to goal anyway. Like it was close to being goal to goal anyway. It wasn't gonna be huge. Eh, why not take the fifteen for one there just to reassert like hit aggressiveness after that? But Malik Jackson for what he's giving you and for what he's being paid and everything else on the other ancillary stuff, um it's it's good enough to go ahead and uh it's it's time to move on from him. Yeah, I mean I think it's it, it's one of those things that like um Look, I, I I like Malik in Jacksonville. Uh, I think he's played okay. 
Um, definitely not worth the contract. Um, and you know, you do want to see new, I want to see Raekwon Williams out there. I want to see guy, young guys who could potentially be cheap and play well on the fly and, you know, do things that can maybe entice the next coach who comes in here, the next general manager, or even if it's Doug Peterson and Howie Roseman, again, you want to know what you have here. This can't just be this, you know, winding road of, uh, terribleness it's just not you know it is what it is right like this season's relatively over uh as far as what you can accomplish and if you want to accomplish what you you know if you want to make the playoffs it's only really worth it if it's the young guys improving and doing well and and earning their spots for next year because old guys doing that one just you know get to get get the band together for one final run isn't going to turn out as well as you know you hope it will even on your most optimistic day. So you know, I know we didn't do a lot of recapping of the Seattle game. Uh you probably didn't want a lot of a recap anyway. I think like this is not this was not a game that I think a lot of people enjoyed. Uh I will say the curse of being football vampires is no longer a thing cuz they finally lost at night. Uh um, <laughs> no merch. Uh, we'll think of something else. But like, I think if you look at this schedule right now, they're three, seven and one. I have them finishing five, seven and one or sorry, not five, seven, one, uh, five, ten and one. Uh, what's what record do you have for them? I have six, nine and one. I think some it because something I just got a gut feeling when it comes to if, if Breeze is back or hate Hill and the way that they, they play the style that New Orleans play, I think they'd be keep it close. And the other only other wins besides possibly the Saints I see here are the uh Washington and Dallas. And I, I saw something that was craziness. I still can't believe this. By the time and that could even change because by the time uh if Dallas beats Cincinnati, I think five three has it as Dallas beat Cincinnati, New York, and I forget who the other team is. I think maybe Carolina, I forget who it is, but they actually would have a 60% chance to win this division. It is just crazy how topsy-turvy this thing is. So by the time the Eagles play Dallas, they could be be actually have all the momentum playing for a potential division, a playoff spot. So that could change, that could change a lot of things. So I, I, I think, it, I think somehow they, they, they get six, nine and one. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, well, also, it could be, for, for all we know, it could be guys could be re- being rested. <laughs> for also, some of those games, they could be start resting guys. So I don't know. You never know. I mean, look, I, yeah, if they get six wins, I'll buy you dinner. Like, it, I don't see that happening. I probably already still owe you, I think, uh, for <laughs> Uh, oh, I, I have to go had. to run to Vegas anyway. You did use a Disney reference before 20 minutes in the podcast. So I think I got to cash that ticket in too. Bam. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, uh, you know, look, there's tendencies just like on the football field. There's tendencies among beat writers and podcast hosts. And sometimes you just got to follow the line, you know, um, Chris. So what are your final, what's your, your final takeaway? Um, for this like this week uh, that has been full of drama and full of intrigue and really led to nothing. <laughs> um, yeah. what, what, what's your takeaway from this week? 
I think we're going to be in for a very eventful next, the next five weeks are going to be very eventful. I don't think mainly just because it was on the field, but all the talk that's going to be headed off the field, especially with is Doug going to return? How are we going to return? Who's getting cut? I think you'll see. And also I'm curious to see if any of these players now will start to uh, be more vocal, especially toward the end of the season, if they do, begin basically lose out the rest of the way, especially those last couple of weeks, how many players become vocal and uh, start to really open up. And if what we learn about what's going on in that locker room, that would be real. I think we may see that. I mean, what are you looking, what are you looking forward to this league? Well, I mean, I just want to see the young guys play. Like that's, what's interesting to me. And, and I got to tell you, this team is not very likable right now. I, I've talked to a lot of fans who just cannot wait for the season to end. And, you know, um, anybody who knows Eagles fans knows they're passionate. And when their passion is taken away, it just kind of seems really sad. Um, but anyway, uh, we hope you guys will continue to listen to us. And we hope we have reignited. We've been the spark to the flame of your offense, uh, so to speak. Uh, I don't know. I got nothing. Uh, I've been listening <laughs> to a lot of uh, Marvel and Game of Thrones podcast lately, and I guess that's in my brain. But remember, you can uh, sign up for Eagles Extra at nj.com slash text, two weeks free. Come hang out with Chris and me. Uh, I didn't really actually mean to rhyme there as much as it sounded like I really tried. Um, I didn't know it. <laughs> yeah, hey, look at that. Uh, I was trying <laughs> to avoid that, that one. But um, also, you can download the no huddle show podcast, wherever you download podcasts, we'd be happy to have you please make sure you give us some five-star ratings, uh, give us, you know, catch on to some of our quirks and, and help us find some merch ideas, uh, that we can pitch the big bosses. Also, you can check out all of our wonderful content on nj.com slash Eagles for Chris. I'm Mike. Thanks for listening to the no huddle show podcast.